So Jesus is one of the most remarkable people in human history. Probably don't have to convince uh, too many of you of that fact. Um, you can see that fact acknowledged by historians, by academics, irrespective of their faith. One, uh, one historian puts it like this. He says, if it were possible with some sort of super magnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least the influence of Jesus' name, how much would be left? Just saying Jesus has touched almost nearly everything in human history and to, to withdraw his influence and his impact, what, what would be left? And as we look at Jesus' life as told through New Testament documents, through the gospel narratives, we see that there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus in scriptures, and there's nobody like Jesus in human history, that he really is one of a kind. And yet you look at these same gospel accounts and you see his life and his ministry. You see many people hear him teach. Many people claim to see him heal. Many people hear the gospel from his lips. And yet many people respond by walking away. So you have this tension that there's no one like him, that people will acknowledge his touch on, on human history. And then you'll look at the scriptural accounts and see people seeing him do incredible things, and yet they'll walk away as if they just saw their cousin do something ordinary. No reaction, no response, no faith, no following, nothing. And it's actually into this question of if Jesus is this, if he's this magnetic, he's doing these things, why aren't more people responding to him? Why aren't more people believing in him? Why aren't more people following him? Now, we look at the stats across the world, you see, whoa, many people are following Jesus, right? But this is actually the question that Pharisees, the religious teachers of the time, and even Jesus' disciples were asking. We're going to see this in the parable that we look at, the parable of the soils, that they've seen other ministries, and they're seeing Jesus do something greater, and yet some people are following, but many are having no reaction. So they ask Jesus, what's going on? Why aren't more people responding to you? And Jesus tells this parable of the soils in response to that tension and that question. Luke 8, verse 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root, 
They believe for a little while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Jesus tells this parable in front of a large crowd. And then we see the transition in nine that he then explains it to his disciples. He's answering this question, this tension that his disciples are wondering. He's like, man, no one's like you. And, and you've got to understand the context. This is, a, is, uh, this is a Israel, right? Jesus is a what? A Jew, right? So he's long promised. They're like, you're finally here. But why are all our people so skeptical? You're finally here. Why are some really, really following you? I mean, everyone's coming out to hear him, but some are following you and some of our people are, are turning away. You're the one they've been waiting for. Why? And so Jesus, into that tension, speaks this parable. And a, a parable is a story with intent, right? A parable is a, is a way to disarm us by telling us a story with images so that the truth seeps in and it gets past our kind of know-it-allness, gets past kind of our, our inactivity, and then the parable will drop the hammer of truth so that we respond in activity and action. And Jesus tells this parable to really make one major point. He's, he's making this point, that the condition of the heart determines the response to the gospel. The condition of the heart determines the response to the gospel. That, that's really his, the big idea uh, of the parable that he's telling here. And you could also think about it like this. Jesus is pulling back the curtain. He's pulling back the curtain and revealing critical facts about the kingdom of God so that you and I can respond with kingdom faith. He's showing us the inner workings of the heart and responding to him, showing us that reality so that we can respond with the proper activity, which is faith. So, so we're going to look at this in, in really two ways, just the kingdom facts, the spiritual understanding that Jesus is trying to give, and then the kingdom uh, faith, the, the activity we want to respond with in light of these facts. And, and the first thing that, that we need to see in this parable is that, uh, that there's, uh, there's a farmer, there's a sower, right? How many of you farm? One. Oh, Jen, I was hoping, hoping no one, okay, used to, okay, back in the first century, back in the... <laughs> It's hoping no one would respond, right? We're not farmers, right? We don't, we don't know this culture. They know this culture, right? This is, this is like saying, hey, you're a coder, right? This is, some, this is like saying you're a barista. We all know baristas. We know what they do, right? This, this is just common, right? And, and, so, and so the way farming would happen at this time, we think of farming this way, that you till the soil first. Soil looks good. It's looking sharp, looking fresh. Then you, then you plant the seed, right? That's not, that's not what you do in the first century in Palestine. You sow the seed everywhere. Then you till after, so, so this parable is, 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 is going to make sense to his people because they're like, yeah, you, you sow the seed everywhere you can, and then you till after, and then you see, well, what kind of soil was this? Is this going to grow? I, I hope so. And Jesus first in the parable, he's showing us that the seed, right, he explains what? He says the seed is the what? The word of God, right? This is, I think this is two things. This is both the gospel and, and the word of God, the scriptures, because the center of the scriptures is the gospel. So he's saying that the seed is the, the word of God. And, and, and notice, notice this, right? 
Seeds are small. Unless it's avocado seed. But most seeds are small. You could really hurt someone with that thing. Most seeds are small. And notice what Jesus is saying. This is easy to look past this. He's saying the, 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 the message that brings somebody into right relationship with God, the message that, that restores us to God in the present and eternally, the message that brings us into God's kingdom, into a new relationship with him. He's saying it seems small and insignificant. It's a seed. It's not bigger than your thumb. Later we'll talk about the mustard seed, right? It's not, it's not bigger than your thumb. It's small and insignificant. Most kingdoms expand by force. Most kingdoms expand by violence, right? His hearers would be familiar with Rome that is expanded at this time, and they've expanded not only by their innovations in water system and sewage, but by their armies, but by taking over lands and countries and saying, hey, we've taken you over. We'll let you keep your own government as long as you're loyal to us. That's how they expanded. They expanded by force and strength and technology. No, the kingdom of God expands through something that on the outside looks very insignificant. He says the power of the kingdom of God is like a seed. It looks like nothing, but when it's placed in a proper place on fertile soil, it grows, it transforms, and it expands in a way that's almost unimaginable. And the seed is the gospel. It's the, the truth, uh, the truth of, uh, of God's message that we've all betrayed God. Before, before him we stand condemned. We're cut off from his presence. But into that dire situation, God brings good news through Jesus. Then into that dire situation, God doesn't turn his back upon us, but actually runs to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus' life is a life of complete faithfulness to, to God where our life has been a life of betrayal and neglect of God. His death atones for our betrayal, our sin, our, our turning from God. And his death restores us to God. He rises victorious even from the grave to new life to show that that is what will happen with us as well when we put our trust in him. That's the message of the gospel. By faith in him, we become spiritually alive. By faith in him, we become restored to God. By faith in him, we're forgiven of our sins. By faith in him, we're welcomed into God's family presently and eternally as members of his kingdom. It's the good news that restores broken people to their creator. It's the gospel. And so Jesus tells this parable, and then what does he say before he explains it to his disciples? What's the last? I want you to think of it like this. He tells the parable in a room like this, full of people, and then in nine, he goes with his boys, and he explains it to them. But what's the last thing that he says publicly about this parable? He says, he who has ears, let them what? What do you do with your ears? Hear. Walk. No, we hear with our ears right? He who has ears, let him hear. Why? Why? Why is he going to say that? Well, obviously, he who has ears, let him hear. Everyone's listening to him. Why, why is he saying this? Here's what, he's, here's what he's saying. The kingdom of God is the seed. The kingdom of God is the gospel. The gospel is the, the door through to the kingdom of God. His whole point is this. The kingdom comes by hearing, so be careful how you hear. If the kingdom of God comes by hearing, we need to make sure that when we're hearing Jesus, we're really hearing and we're responding. Now, you guys, you guys know this from family. You guys know this from roommates. You guys know this from, from all sorts of relationships that somebody can, can, can be listening to you but not hearing you. You ever, ever experienced that? You're like, you are very clearly listening to me, 
you are very clearly not hearing me. Right? And, and, what, and what does it take for someone who is listening to then move from listening to hearing? Right? So something's got to shake them up, right? You might have to raise your voice a little bit. Or you, you have to do something to get them to move from just listening to actually hearing. Because when you really hear something, you listen to it, but then you act, right? So we all know those times where people are listening, but they're not really hearing us. And this is why Jesus says this, he who has ears, let him hear. He wants us to not just listen, but to hear and respond. He's telling us kingdom reality so we can respond with kingdom and faith. That is believing and then bearing fruit, right? Think of a seed, it planted, it grows. He wants us to understand this critical truth of the gospel. And the way he's gonna tell us, he's gonna tell us through, through, through these seeds. So you got soil one. You got soil one in verses five is the, the telling, verse 12 is the explanation. And here's what happens. He's, he's giving this parable to say, hey, the message of the gospel goes out all around the world. And, and here are the different ways that people respond to the word of the gospel, to the message of the gospel, to the seed of the gospel. When it hits their ears, they can listen, but not really hear. Here's what happens. And he says, soil one is like stolen seed, that some people hear the gospel, and before they really ever can engage with it, Satan is there to distract and snatch it away. He uses the image of a bird, right? Though you plant a seed and a bird comes down and takes it, right? The, the soil doesn't really have an opportunity to respond yet. And that's what he's saying here is that some people hear the gospel and it's like they just forgot about it. It's just off their radar, distractions of life, right? He's saying sometimes that's often actually spiritual opposition that is happening against us, against others, hearing and responding, obeying the gospel. What's so interesting about this is that Jesus doesn't want us to buy into our modern rationalistic thinking, right? Modern rationalistic thinking says, the only thing that exists are the things that you see. The only thing that happens are the things that you can explain. Jesus is saying, hey, there's actually things happening on a spiritual level that are beyond what we see and what we know. He's saying one of the reasons that people don't respond to the gospel is because there's actually active opposition trying to stop us from responding to the gospel. This is why Paul in Ephesians 6 will say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and authorities. He's saying, hey, there's spiritual battle and spiritual opposition to people knowing God. It's just a reality of things. It doesn't mean everything. It doesn't mean you get a flat tire on your way to Bible study. It was a demon, right? That's not everything is that, but it actually means there is something. There is something, right? So, so we, we have to understand that. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, the first part of this parable, right, he immediately goes to spiritual opposition. We're going to talk through some of the application of this, but one of the applications of this is that this means people who are trying to sow seeds of the gospel have to also be people who have holes on their knees and their pants because they pray. Right? If there's spiritual opposition to the gospel going deep in our hearts and the hearts of others, it means we have to pray. So the only way we can combat that opposition. Then he goes to soil number two, verse six is the telling, verse 13 is the explanation. This is the seed on the rock. This is the person who receives the gospel with joy. They are happy. They're front row next to me, jiving, singing, hands up, right? They're doing that for a little bit. And then as he says, a time of testing. Uh, if you look at, uh, this parable is also told in, in Matthew and in Mark, so you can see some of the different flavors of it. You look at it there, it says a time of persecution. Basically, things get hard. And then things get hard, 
and then that person falls away. And Jesus says, what had happened was the seed really didn't have a root. The seed wasn't really planted. It was just kind of on the top soil on a surface level. I remember, um, I remember uh, back in Bellingham, Washington, where I served at a church before, before our family moved here to, to, to Plant Redeemer, that we had a, uh, we had a young man named Brock um, that, we, that we were reaching out to on campus and just building a relationship with, sharing the gospel, sowing the seed of the gospel. And, uh, and this guy was just like, just short and stout. Just like, press me down and then fill me out, but all muscle. So this dude is just a muscly dude. It makes sense. You think Brock, right? Immediately, you think just like a muscly guy, right? It's a perfect name. Uh, his parents really knew what, what was coming for him. And so it's this guy, Brock, and, um, and we started sharing with him. And um, I don't think he had really any exposure to Jesus whatsoever before, um, just, you know, vague familiarity. And, uh, and he hears the gospel, and he, he responds, and he's fired up about Jesus. He's professing a faith in the gospel, Jesus is my Savior, um, and he's devouring scripture, inviting friends to church, like all this stuff. And then about like six months later, we like this dude just dropped off the face of the world, we think. None of us could find him. It's like, Brock, where you at? Brock, Brock, Brock. And just like, just no idea where he went. His Facebook continues to update, like fishing with my dad. And so we're like, okay, clearly like he's okay. But like he would not respond to any of us. And these people that have become his close friends over the last several months. Right? And when I hear this parable, I think of situations like that. It's like well, there was a joy and a response to the gospel. And then all of a sudden, the guy just totally disappeared. And Jesus, Jesus is saying that it's, it's possible to be very excited about Jesus, to be emotionally drawn to Jesus, to, 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 to be compelled towards Jesus. But then the trials of life, the trials of faith, kind of expose like, oh, the, the seed, there wasn't really a root there. The seed, the seed wasn't really planted there. You know, you see this in John chapter 6, that there are many people who are following Jesus. Jesus gives a teaching that, 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 that turns people away, and many leave, and he turns to his disciples and says, do you want to leave too? It's kind of this moment where it's, it's this type of seed. The third seed is, is the seed that gets choked out by the cares of life. The, the, uh, the telling is in verse 7, the explanation, uh, verse 14. Some people, Jesus is teaching, some people respond to Jesus, trust him, follow him, and then they get sidetracked by life. It says you get choked out by the, by the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, right? Instead of rooting their life in Jesus, the cares of life seem to drag them away from Jesus. And most of the time what happens here, these are, these are things that are not bad things, but they become things that pull us away from Jesus, things like money, things like career, good things like family, good things like marriage, things like people's approval. These good things turn spiritually deadly by sapping our focus off of Jesus. Then pretty soon the person's life goes from a daily walk with Jesus to a Sunday stroll with Jesus to a dead halt with Jesus. These things just kind of grind to a close. Jesus describes this as a faith, a faith with no fruit, a faith that never matures. He's saying choked out by the richest cares of life. Then he goes to soil for the good soil. He explains this in the first part of verse 8, uh, or tells it in the first part of verse 8, explains it in 15. He says these people hear the gospel, they hold fast to it. Hold fast is this language of abide, Jesus uses in, in John 15. Think abide, um, think of just something you build your house in. Think abide, think abode, right? 
you, you, you build your house in, you root yourself in it, you anchor yourself in it, you plop yourself down. It's the house that you, that you, you, that you buy that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to die in this house, right? This is where I'm planted. This is where I'm at, right? So, so you're hearing that this is the, soil, the person that's heard the gospel. They're going to hold fast to Jesus. They're anchoring to Jesus, and they're bearing fruit with patience. And then the explanation, he says, in the other gospel, says it could be 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He's saying one, the tree could be this tall, could be this tall, could be even taller. But what really matters is that it's, it's really planted. It's really bearing fruit. It doesn't really matter if it's this tall or that tall, right? That matters, but that's not the main thing. It's, it's really planted. It's good soil. It's not just on the top level going to be blown away by the wind. This thing is planted. This person is planted. They have trusted Jesus, and they're holding firm to Jesus. They're planted. And that's the difference between this soil and the rest. This soil hears the word. This soil hears the gospel. This soil holds fast. And because they're holding fast, they bear fruit. I love this. You know why this is so encouraging? Bear fruit with what? Bear fruit with patience. That's why you should, you, I'm going to give you a sermon listening tip. Try to have the text in front of you. That way you can see when I'm wrong. Because so I'm like, verse 20. Like, 20 is not even in the passage, right? So have the text in front of you. And then when I say the bear fruit with, you know exactly what I'm saying. It'll be like a call and response at a rap concert, right? So bear fruit with patience, patience right? Isn't this encouraging? Listen, this is the Lord of all creation saying, hey, bear fruit with patience. You, you know what he's inviting us to? He's inviting us into slow and steady growth. I love that. He's inviting us to a sanctification, a, a process of growing more like Christ that is more rooted and reminiscent of a crock pot and less of a microwave. He's saying, take your time with it. He's saying, this is going to be slow. This is slow and steady. Right, crock pot? You guys know what a crock pot is? You borrowed mine. Thank you for returning it. <laughs> oh, precious, precious possession in the Acho kitchen. Right, crock pot. It's like seven, eight hours, right, for your meal. Microwave, put a little hot pocket in there. It's like 30 seconds, right? So, but you, you know the difference. And Jesus is saying, bear fruit with patience. You know what he's inviting us to? He's saying, trust in me and then just walk slowly with me, slow and steady, one day at a time. He's saying, don't, don't try to grow three years worth in one week. Right? It's what we do, right? We're like, okay, uh, let me make up for the last three months of just doing nothing <laughs> and like try to cram it into like two weeks of following Jesus. Now Jesus says, bear fruit with patience, slow and steady. Just plant yourself, hold fast to me. I'm going to grow you. Slow and steady. I love that. Slow and steady obedience over time. So that's him explaining the kingdom realities. That condition of the heart determines the response to the word. And he doesn't get into it in this passage, but there's different, different levels of that. There's, there's God's sovereignty. There's human responsibility. And as, we t as we've seen, there's, there's even spiritual opposition in the condition of our hearts left to ourselves. But here he's really focusing on trying to get the people hearing to ask one question. What kind of soil am I? That's what Jesus wants people to walk away thinking. He doesn't want them engaging in a, it's a theological debate about this and this. He wants them to walk away thinking, what soil am I? I want to be good soil. What does that look like? Because you can listen without hearing. 
I want you to think about a time you listened without hearing. It's pretty, it probably had to do with your doctor, I'm going to guess. That your doctor was like, hey, you should do this. And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I know what I need to do, right? <laughs> you're like, they're your dentist. De- oh, there it is, Corey. It's the assist. It's the dentist, right? Gosh, how many times you're like, hey, this is going to turn into a cavity. Start flossing or get the fluoride. And you're like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> right? That's what I've been doing with my dentist. How do, you know, how do you know this? That's what I've been doing with my dentist the last like six months. I was thinking about the other day. I was like, I need to get this mouthwash because they keep telling me it's getting worse and worse. I need to respond. I'm listening, but I'm not hearing. I understand, but I'm not doing anything with it. I'm not believing, right? Think about it. I'm not believing in their assessment, and I'm not responding out of belief of that assessment. That's what Jesus is worried about that you will do with this passage. That's what he's worried about his hearers will do in this passage. To the point that he says, I speak in parables so that people can see the truth, but other people who are being stubborn are going to miss it because they're already not listening. He wants us to hear and do. So one of the applications, right? Think of kingdom realities and now the, the kingdom application from this is to ask, what soil are you? Which soil am I? Maybe think of this question. Are there cares of this life that are choking out the gospel from bearing fruit in your life? Right? Are, there, are, there, are there things that are functioning as weeds that are choking out the fruit of the gospel in your life? Right? What spiritual weeds in your life need to be plowed over, pulled out for the gospel to grow in you? Right? Sometimes this can be as practical as just like, how do you use your time? If you have an all-encompassing hobby, if you're overly devoted to your work, if you're overly devoted to, um, to, to a relationship, or just things that are usually, it's usually going to be something good, but it's functioning as a weed that ends up choking out, holding fast to Jesus. Right? And, and here's, here's a way you can think about this. Do you, do you ever have time? Do you ever have time where you, where, where you don't have anything to do? And you get this like, oh, I want to pray. Or, oh, I could read my Bible. Or I could, I could spend some time with Jesus. And then there's that other thing where you're like, oh, I could do this. And it just kind of rises to the surface of your consciousness. You're like, oh, this, right? It's probably an awesome thing, right? It's probably not, uh, it's probably not you know, gang banging or fighting on the streets or something. It's probably a really good thing. That's a thing that's a gift from God to enjoy. But it's that thing that when you're actually thinking about, man, oh, this time, no one is here. I'm by myself. I can enjoy Jesus or, or, or whatever it is that it just rises to the top, right? It doesn't mean that that thing is a weed, but you have to ask yourself, could this be a care of life that ends up choking out my walk with Jesus? One care of life that I know probably impacts all of us is what people think of us. Is that we think people think of us more than they actually do, but we're so controlled by that. Do you ever, do you ever feel yourself kind of walking on eggshells thinking too much about how is this person going to perceive me? Or am I upholding the image of the type of person that I want to be before the people that matter to me? Jesus is saying, if that's a care of your life, you will bear very little fruit for Jesus because following Jesus at some point is going to cause you friction. Following Jesus at some point is going to cause you friction in a relationship. The next question we have to ask is, uh, is are you holding fast to Jesus and seeing slow and steady love for him. 
go 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 back to uh, go go back to the last verse. Go back to um, go back to eight. Bear fruit with patience, right? Crockpot growth versus microwave growth, right? Do, can can you look back and can you look and, and trace over over uh, the last little stretch of your life and say, I see slow, steady, imperfect evidence of of love for Jesus in me. Just slow and steady. Can you, can you, can you look back and, and say over the last year, I see slow and steady, imperfect obedience to God's word and growing like Jesus? Do you see that from holding fast to Jesus and, and holding to his word? Then the other application that comes from this is we're both at, at two points in this parable. We're, we're both the, thinking of how, how am I, what type of soil am I? But then if we're following Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, we also, part of the application from this parable is we think about, okay, what type of sower am I? Because part of the bearing fruit for Jesus means gospel faith, trusting in him, and one of Jesus' biggest commands to, to his people, to his kids, to his disciples, is the invitation to then sow the same good news that redeemed and restored us. That's not emphasized as much in this account. It's emphasized more in Matthew's account of this parable, but the application holds fast. So we have to ask missional application about this text as well. Because Jesus is not just redeeming people so that they they can be watchers of what he's done. He's redeeming people so they can be doers alongside of the kingdom work that he continues to do today. So part of the question you have to ask yourself, if you are trusting Jesus and you're rocking that, that crockpot slow and steady growth with him, one of the questions to ask is, am I a sower of the gospel? I want you to understand what this farmer looks like, right? This farmer is taking that seed and they are sowing it liberally. They're not just like, oh, this looks like good soil. That looks like bad soil. I will put it here. No, this farmer is just out slanging soil all over the place, trusting that when things get plowed after, it'll sort itself out. Just sowing liberally. So what this means is that Jesus actually, his heart is so much for people that he is calling every one of his followers to be a sower of the gospel, to be somebody who carries the gospel and who extends it to other people. So much so that if you don't do that, you will not bear fruit for Jesus. It will be very difficult to bear fruit for Jesus if that is not a part of your discipleship with him. For some people, sowing the seed of the gospel, speaking about Jesus is a, is a gift. It's a spiritual gift. It's something that is easy for them to do or easier for them to do than others. For some of us, that's really hard. But Jesus is saying there are ways that you can find your place in that type of sowing. So one of the things that he's showing us here is that with this image of sowing and then the tilling coming after is that if you want to be a sower of the gospel, step into the work that Jesus invites us to, you also have to be a person of prayer. Because look at what we've just looked at. There's so many ways in which the human heart can hear the gospel but not really hear it. And which of us has keys to a human heart to make it do what we want it to do? Which of us has keys to our own heart to really get us to do the things we really think we should do? We have a hard enough time getting ourselves to change. How can we change someone's mind about Jesus? We can't. So if you're the type of person like, man, I don't really know how to sow a seed of the gospel. That's really scary to me, or I struggle with that. You know what you can do? That the person you want to see meet Jesus will never, ever know about? You can pray for them. 
You just pray all the time. And guess what? Things will happen. God will work. If you are frightened to speak about Jesus to someone, speak to Jesus about that person. And then watch what God does. So he's saying, if you want to be a sower, you also have to be a prayer One of the other applications for this is Jesus wants us to change our view of success. When it comes to sharing the gospel, living on mission, if, if we cannot control the soil, that means the results or what success is in living on mission for Jesus is completely different than what we usually think. We think in terms of results. Jesus thinks in terms of just sowing. Regardless of what happens with the gospel that you sow, if you sowed it, you succeeded. The results are in, in Jesus' hands, in the soil's hands, in God's hands. The success is in the sowing. The success is in the praying. Not in what happens. That's not in our realm of, of domain. We can't touch that. We can't make that happen. So Jesus, in his mind, is like, hey, if you're trying to sow the seed of the gospel, you're killing it. If you're praying for people to know Jesus regularly, you're killing it. You're bearing fruit. The crock pot is bubbling and it smells great. You're doing awesome. Right? So he's, he's actually changing our ideas of what success on mission looks like. Because we can't change people's hearts. When we think we can change people's hearts, that's when we get into the weird evangelism. You guys ever seen that? Right? That's, that's when we get strange with people. And Jesus is on, at the right hand of the Father saying, oh God, please. Right? As we get into weird stuff, when we think we can change, we can't do that. We share, we pray. We share, we pray, we serve. We declare, we demonstrate. That's what we do. And Jesus says, that's success. Leave the rest to me. I will work on the human heart. Here's the other thing that's an implication of this. I'm thinking of how, I, how God wants me to say this. Um, if you don't have a desire to sow the seed of the gospel, if you're not burdened for people to know the love of Jesus, then you need to think about, has the seed of the gospel gone deep in me? So I was, talking with, I was talking with a friend recently, and their whole, thing, their whole thing was like, believing in Jesus is awesome, but now I have a burden for people to know Jesus, because Jesus says he's the way. Jesus says he's the truth. Jesus says he's the life. And if I believe that, now I got a burden for people that I never had before. I want them to know him. And if you don't have a burden for, for people to know Jesus, you, ha- you have to ask yourself. I don't mean maybe you're, you have that burden in a deep way right now, but if you don't see that burden ever in your life at any point, it's just flatline, you have to wonder, has the seed of the gospel gone deep into you? Because Jesus' fundamental to command, command to his disciples is to know him, love him, follow him, and sow the seed of the gospel. That's why Jesus hasn't redeemed the world right now. 
Jesus wanted, he would, he would redeem his people, he would renew the world, and he would establish a new heavens and new earth. Why, why is he not doing that? Because he's bringing more people into the family of God. Because there's more work to be done, because the gospel is going forward, because people's lives are being changed, because people are meeting their creator, they're being restored to their savior. Jesus is doing work right now, and he's calling us to be in it. And he's saying, you can be scared of sowing, then pray. And as you pray, you're going to grow, and then you're going to sow. You're going to bear more freedom. Lives are going to be changed. So you have to ask, okay, am I burdened for people to know the love of Jesus? One of the other questions that you can think about with this is, um, is who is, if you're following Jesus, who is under your name in the kingdom of Jesus family tree? No if any of your family has ever done this, where you kind of have the family tree, like, oh, okay, you came from Papa Jack, and, and then Papa Jack was here, and then he came from Ireland, and this and that, right? And you kind of can trace out the whole family tree. It's the same thing with the kingdom of God, right? Who, who, who is under your name in the kingdom of Jesus family tree? Who, who is going to point up to your name on that family tree and say, man, this person, man, this person made an investment in my life. This person helped me follow Jesus. This person sowed the seed of the gospel into my life. This person helped me walk with the Savior. Who can trace that spiritual lineage to you? And if you, if you say, ah, I don't know if anyone can say that, that's okay, but do you want that? Right? What, what, what type of, think of, it, think of it like this. Think of it like this. Jesus describes seed of the gospel going forward and then trees sprouting. When you look back on your life, what type of fruit do you want to see hanging off your tree? What do you want to be able to say, this is the legacy that I left with my life for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? What type of legacy do you want to see? I want to see my kids walk with Jesus, but I can't change their hearts. So what do I do? I sow the seed of the gospel. I pray. I want to be able to look back and say, I didn't have any regrets for Jesus. So, I, so we did something that doesn't seem very smart or common. Let's, say, let's move from our family and plant a church to reach people for Jesus. Okay, let's see it happen. I want people to look back on my life and say that I was a spiritual father to them, that I helped them walk with Jesus. So, okay, what do, what do I have to do to see that happen? God, help me because I'm so weak and sinful that I can't make that happen. Please help me, God, by your spirit. What do you want to be able to say when you look back at your life and say, that's what I gave myself to? This doesn't mean everyone becomes a pastor or a church planner. You do it in your vocation. You can do it in simple ways, but ask yourself the question. What type of fruit do you want to see hanging off your tree? Or think about it like this, if you like food. What type of meal do you want to emerge and pull out from that crock pot and lay out on the table and say, that's what has been stewing, growing, and been cultivated in my life over however many years God has given me? If with this missional application you're like, man, you just feel defeated, I don't have any of this. I want you to do two things. I want you to ask Jesus to give you his heart for people. 
Then I want you to pick one thing that you could do that would be one step forward in becoming a sower of the gospel. Because here, here's what we like to do, right? We want to pick a thousand things. We want to make up for lost time in one week. No, ask Jesus to give you his heart for people. Ask Jesus to give you his love for people. Ask Jesus to give you his eyes for people. And then pick one thing to do different. I want us to see Jesus as the center of this parable. Apart from him, there's no good news for us to respond to. Apart from him, there's no seed to be sown. But because of the heart of God, there is. What you understand, if you want to carry the seed parable and soils parable, right, this is the seed of, of, of God's reconciling love through Christ going out into a world that has already rejected God. The soil is already proved defective. And yet God's heart is not to leave us there, but to then come after us. It's not that God is going forward into neutral soil, soil that says, God, come, come, we're, we're eager for you. This is soil that is turned from God. This is a humanity that's run from God. This is a humanity that's betrayed God. But God's heart, his love doesn't stop at the first step of rebellion that we take. He takes more steps. He runs quicker to come and pursue us through Christ. And so he comes into this broken world through Christ and spreads the seed of the gospel because of his love for the world. This is the love and the patience of God. That the weight of betrayal from you, from me, from humanity didn't fill God with resentment, but actually increased his holy love to the point that he sends his son Jesus to come redeem, atone, and save. And then he enlists a people, the church, from all nations, tribes, and tongues to be sowers of that very same message. Right, think about it like this. If God wants to use you and me in his kingdom to sow the message of the gospel, he's either A, really desperate, or B, really loving to invite us into his story. And so the rebellion of humanity cannot stop the love of God, cannot stop the grace of Jesus. And so the seed continues to be sown. And when we trust Jesus and we hold fast to him, when we abide in him, we bear fruit with patience. One day at a time. Crockpot growth, slow, steady, obedient. Jesus pulling back the veil of kingdom facts so that we can respond with kingdom faith, hearing, believing, and bearing fruit. So think this, what type of legacy do you want to look back on? How do you want to hear and respond to Jesus today and each day? What type of fruit do you want to see hanging from the tree of your life that when your funeral happens, Somebody's going to come up and say, what words? What type of legacy do you want to live? What type of fruit do you want to see? Jesus is showing these kingdom realities so that we would hear, obey, do, bear fruit. Invitation into a story. Let's take a moment to respond with silent prayer. I want to encourage you um, in this time to just ask, ask yourself uh,
Ask yourself this question. Just ask God, what do you want from me in light of this text? How can I hold fast to you? What weeds are choking out the gospel in my heart or in my life? Let's take a moment to respond in silent prayer, then I'll lead us in prayer aloud.